Hello and welcome to the Culture Swalia podcast dedicated to Scottish news and pop culture. My name is Nicky and I'm joined as always by the man who if I was to set up a legal firm with, we would call ourselves Shangalang Solicitors <laughs> and our business cards would be covered in little tartan miniskirts. <laughs> it's Greg. How are you today, yeah, Greg? Very well. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I can tell that uh, little story now, since on the last episode you mentioned the the tartan miniskirts in <laughs> Shangalang. So uh, everyone should be up to speed on that. So how's everything with you? Yeah, good, good. I've been travelling. Last week I was in Saudi and Qatar again. Um, had almost had a nervous breakdown in the airport <laughs> in Riyadh because. <laughs> Like, I've been to Qatar a few times in the last few weeks, and you have to go onto this website and upload a copy of your vaccination record and your hotel voucher, bizarrely. Right. And you get a sort of notification to say that you're approved to land in the country. And they check, they, okay. the country that you're flying out from, they check that everything's in order before they check you in. So, mm-hmm. of course, in Riyadh, the guy says, oh, you need a PCR test. And I said, no, no, look, it says here that it's approved. No, no, you need a PCR test. I can't let you on the plane. And I said, like, hang on a minute. I said, I've been to Qatar like three times uh, in the last sort of two months. I've never needed a PCR test. Well, I'm being told she's the PCR test, so you, you can't get on a plane. So I said, well, what are we supposed to do? Because the next, this, the flight was at like five to one in the morning. The next flight wasn't until seven mm. o'clock that night. And we have, so no oh. hotel booked or anything. So there's a PCR test in place in the airport in Riyadh. So my boss and I, of course, it's in the, it's not in the terminal that we were in. So I said, well, can we get a PCR test here? Yes, you can. It's blah, blah, blah. So we ran to get the PCR test. It's going to take an hour, right? <laughs> um, the flight was scheduled to leave with, and the desk was closing to check in. So, I mean, like, just so you know, when I travel, I am hyper-organized. Like, I get there in plenty of time. Mm. I make sure I get everything. I just, because not a massive fan of traveling, and I find that being organized just takes the stress out of it for me. So, anyway, we're waiting for this this, this uh, result for, it only took like half an hour, but it felt like ages, and we can hear last call. So, we have to, so we sprint back with our negative results. The desk is closed. <laughs> so... They managed to persuade uh, the airport staff to get somebody from the airline to come back and check us in. We only had hand luggage, so I think that made it easier. So they checked us in, literally sprinting to the gate, got on the plane, thank Christ. Because I know you've not been to Saudi, but I'm sure it's the last place you'd want to get stuck. (laughs) You've really not been there. Mm. Um, So yeah, horrendous. So they're sweating. We got to Qatar at like three in the morning. Um, just a fucking absolute horrible, horrible trip. Never been so, never been so happy to see the the twinkling lights of Dubai emerge from the dusty July atmosphere as the plane came down to land on Wednesday. Do you think the guy just did that for a laugh because he just couldn't be arsed checking you in, or do you think it was a a money making scam to go and get a PCR test so they can get a few quid? I don't know. I mean, you know yourself, you know trying to walk very carefully across this lake of very thin ice but um we um you know they, they can be jobs worth it's probably putting it kindly they don't really give a fuck <laughs> whether you get to where you're going or not um to be quite honest it's not their problem if you have to pay for another flight and pay for a night in a hotel so no i don't know i mean it might have been i mean i was i was i'm able to claim the cost of the pcr back but it was pretty expensive so a uk price is expensive but yeah honestly it took me like days to recover <laughs> the fucking 
tra- yeah. the trauma of it. Well, at least you're back home now and everything's nice and, and back to normal and, and everything's okay and you don't have to worry about the stress of travel. Well, Where are you off to next? I'm flying to Paris. I'm flying to, to Birmingham a week on Thursday um, and then getting the Eurostar to Paris. So I'm not I'm not uh, looking forward to that part of it, to be honest, because like everyone else, I've been watching the news from the UK and like nightmares at Heathrow, train strikes, fuck it. You know, the mm. French go and strike all the fucking time anyway. They don't need a, an excuse, do they? Just like, just do it for a day off. So, um, so yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine when we get there, but I'm not relishing the, I'm, I'm not relishing the journey, put it that way. I know. It's something I'm just put off um, in terms of we're going to Hamburg um, in September for a few days and we decided to take the yeah. train because just can't be arsed with the hassle at the airport. It's just chaos at the yeah. moment. And we're like, it's five hours on the train. We're like, well, honestly, like it's an hour flight. The time you get to the airport, two hours and all that jazz, like, oh, fuck it, let's just go and get yeah. the train. You can just sit and have a glass of wine, have a couple yeah. of beers and yeah, just relax. Don't have to worry about all the stress. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure everything will be fine and we'll, uh, your travels will go well. So. Okay. Uh, well, Shall we, yeah, shall we have a look at what's been going on in Scotland over the last couple of weeks? Cue the jingle. Hello, this is the Outer Hebrides Broadcasting Corporation, and here is what's been going on in the news. Okay, Greg, uh, why don't you tell us what your first story is this week of what's been happening in Scotland? Um, okay, so well, this story comes from the Scottish Sun on the 12th of July, uh, so it's last week. Uh, the headline reads, Golden Eye, Scots jewellery shop worker caught stealing £2,000 worth of jewellery from the store after boss spotted missing items in her Instagram pics. This is Taylor Thompson from Edinburgh. She raised suspicions after an internal stock audit at Fraser Hart Jewelry in Edinburgh. The city centre found that several items were missing from their inventory in February of this year. Uh, the manager, Emma Davidson, scoured her employees' social media for clues of the missing items after establishing that the items may have been stolen by a member of staff. Emma called the police, who later cautioned and charged Thompson after she discovered the shop worker wearing similar-looking items to the missing stock in her selfies. Thompson, who now works as a makeup artist for Harrods, maybe not for long, appeared in the dock at Edinburgh Sheriff Court last Friday, where she admitted that she had stolen items from the jewellers. The goods were stolen between June and October 2021, while Thompson was employed at the Princess Street shop during her four-month crime spree she took a £1,250 stainless steel Swiss watch, a £155 silver bracelet, a pair of nine-carat yellow hoop gold earrings and a £300 white gold diamond necklace. Uh, the fiscal deputy, Duncan McKenzie, told the court, between the 14th of February and the 18th of February 2022, an audit was conducted for stock inventory. 11 items could not be accounted for. Upon checking all the usual places where the stock was kept, it was concluded that the items had likely been stolen by a member of staff. The store manager, uh, Witness Davidson, began checking photographs and social media accounts and it was noted that the accused was wearing some of the property that was suspected to have been stolen. This was reported to the police. On the 9th of June, officers attended Harrods Beauty, where the accused is currently employed. She was cautioned regarding the theft. I bet, she, I bet she's not employed there anymore. Uh, officers noted that she was wearing a watch that was similar to the one that had been reported stolen. And the, acu- <laughs> and the accused removed it. She said that her dad had bought it for her. It was a stainless steel watch worth £1,250. 
which was seized by officers. With the consent of the accused, officers carried out searches at her flat and her parents' address in Haddington. At her flat in Edinburgh, she initially directed officers to a bedroom which was not occupied by her. (laughs) She then broke down and said that she had been extremely foolish and had in fact stolen the watch she had given to the officers earlier. The accused admitted stealing further items of property, including the stuff that I mentioned already. Uh, Another item was not recovered. It was a white gold diamond necklace. The accused stated that it had been broken on a night out and was no longer in her possession. Uh, Her defence lawyer told the court that the watch was the first item she had stolen, but it had initially been by accident. (laughs) He said she tried the watch on because she was looking to purchase something like it, but she had forgotten that she was wearing it and then left the store. After she became aware of it, she chose not to return it. To her shame... She realised how easy it was and thereafter completed the theft of three more items. She is remorseful and has made full admissions. She pled guilty at the earliest opportunity. The earliest opportunity? I'm not sure. And will now have a cri- <laughs> and will now have a criminal record for theft, which will cause her difficulty going forward in life. Uh, the sheriff, Alison Sterling, questioned whether any of the items could be resold if they'd already been worn by Thompson, but this information was not available to the court at the time. She added, I wouldn't want to pay for a watch that someone else had stolen and that someone else had been wearing. Uh, Sentencing Taylor, she said, due to the high value of the items that you stole and the breach of trust, I'm going to fine you £1,200. She was also ordered to pay a victim surcharge of £75. So there's a couple of pictures of uh, Taylor there. Um, She definitely fancies herself a bit. Did you see them on here on Instagram? Um, I I did, because funnily enough, I did see this news story. Hold on, let me get it up because I've got it in my news items. Um, Scott's jewelry shop worker. Okay. Taylor. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. no. <laughs> yeah, I can see what you mean. She she definitely fancies herself. Um, yeah. I'm glad someone does. You know, <laughs> it's a, a no for me. Um, now, I can, we could give her the benefit of the doubt in a way. I can see how it could have been done um, in terms of her explanation of she put the watch on for something, forgot she had it on, went home, was like, oh, fuck. Oh, that was easy. Mm-hmm. Hmm. wonder what I can steal next. I, I can kind of believe that story in a way, but at least she, you know, confessed that, that she then kept on stealing stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, quite stupid, though, to, I guess, be wearing it in our social media pictures and quite identifiable in, in terms of the jewellery. The bosses are going to quite easily spot that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm sort of sort of deviating a bit here, but based, you know, obviously we there's a certain type of story that we tend to feature on the Swally. So in mm. the and I'm reading I'm reading this off the off the Sun's website. So rec, the, 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 these are the four articles that are recommended for me on the Sun. Right, <laughs> top of it, top top of the list, hotel horror, Brit forty dead. And girlfriend in hospital after bloody sex game gone wrong. And then the next one, tourist masseuse molested and recorded dozens, including teen in Gran Canaria. Why are these stories recommended for me? <laughs> I don't even have an account on this. this I, one. I, I don't, I'm not sure, Greg. Why, why is it sex stories abroad uh, seem to be highly recommended to you? I, I'm not sure. Is there someone you want to tell us? I think you're... Search history needs to be checked there. Uh, so she's, uh, yeah, she's had she been sentenced. Yeah, yeah, she just um, in terms of her, her theft, just yeah. a fine, uh, a couple of fines, uh, twelve hundred pounds plus a victim surcharge of seventy five pounds. So she- oh, you can see how it's it's easy done, you know. And, and if you get away with it once, you got to think you're you're going to do it again. I think we'll 
we'll leave it at that in terms of landing ourselves in any hot water yeah. with stuff that we've maybe <laughs> stolen from workplaces in the past. <laughs> I mean, I could, I, I've told the story on the Swally before. I, I, I've got no shame in it in terms of the um, when one particular restaurant I worked at was closing mm. down and they were shutting for renovations to turn into a new restaurant that one of the, the guys I worked with and I, we literally just parked our car at the basement and filled it with like baseball bats <laughs> and hockey sticks and just <laughs> crap faux American kind of diner trash things. I had like a Miami Dolphins American <laughs> football helmet like <laughs> for ages in my room that I'd stolen from Daytona Exchange Bar and Crow Queen's <laughs> <Tazer> Park. <laughs> I don't think uh, I don't I don't think the brand exists anymore. I think it's uh, I think it's lost the time. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't think they would get me on that anyway. Um, and then I know certainly when I worked at Blockbuster, another brand that doesn't <laughs> exist. Hey, I could go all out here. Um, but I know. Yeah, I mean, I stole plenty of bags of popcorn and Haribo yeah, and yeah. stuff. You know, just eating it on shift and stuff. And maybe the occasional DVD found its way into my bag as well. <laughs> but it was always carefully mm. done. I would never post. Well, I mean, social media didn't really exist back then, so yeah. it's not like I was going to flaunt it on my Bebo page <laughs> or something. Lying on your like, lying on your bed surrounded by baseball bats and blockbuster <laughs> brands popcorn <laughs> <laughs> well you know it was just little perks that you would you would kind of do but yeah to to steal jewelry and stuff um from a jeweler's is yeah that's quite epic i suppose um you don't want to be doing that and you don't want to be getting caught I, th- I think the most famous example of this was after the the riots in london i want to say Late two thousands, early two, uh, late two thousand, early two thousand tens. There was there was riots after that guy was shot by the police in his car, and um, yeah, there was a lot of looting went on. <laughs> the police, yeah. the police just had to they peruse social media and Bebo to find out exactly where all the goods had gone because all these guys <laughs> were posting photographs of their bedrooms like stuffed with like boxes of trainers and. <laughs> Like electrical items <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> um, I mean, I remember, I remember um, stealing a metal chair from in front of uh, the Daytona Exchange. Uh, <laughs> You've told that story yeah, before that's as right. well. And I, 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 I needed something to dry my clothes on. I remember, like my my dad used to my dad used to work for Frankie and Benny's as a kind of maintenance guy, and we were closing down the restaurant in uh, Kinnear Park <laughs> in Edinburgh, and my dad just like stole fucking van loads of stuff and even when like we were clearing out his house when he passed away earlier this year we were clearing out his house and there was like boxes and boxes of coca-cola glasses all his dinner plates and side plates and cutlery and everything were all from frankie and benny's in his kitchen and he, like, all, all of them um and he also had like a load of like they like, opened moody the cures and stuff that like, because he didn't drink my dad but he just took them in case somebody wanted them so he had like these five or six year old bottles of like creme de menthe and creme de cassis <laughs> nolly pratt and all these weird and wonderful fucking uh, spirits just like shameless and loads of frankie and benny's wine the suave and chardonnay I was like, I said, I said, you can't take all this stuff because I work for the company as well. You know, when he showed, he showed me what he had. T- I said, I said, Dad, you can't take all this stuff. He said, Well, nobody was like doing like an inventory or anything, so I just said I would take all. He said, I just said I would take it to the restaurants. <laughs> he said, but there was managers in other restaurants there anyway, getting stuff 
like spare plates and pots and pans and stuff for their own instruments. I was just like, fuck it, I'll just take this stuff home. I mean, he never even took it to sell it or anything. He just took it in case it came in, in case it came in handy for anybody, you know? No wonder they had to close a load of restaurants last year. <laughs> you could have opened one in your house flat by signs of things. I know. It's shameless. Anyway, that's uh you have like a big jar of pasta sauce in his fridge or something yeah. as well. <laughs> uh, well, that's uh, unfortunate old uh, Taylor Thompson from Edinburgh. What's your first story this week? Well, Greg, uh, my first story is, of course, about pies. <laughs> um, what else would it be in terms of it's either it was either a topless man or a pie. Um, so I went with a pie. So this is about, funnily enough, on the last episode, we discussed my beloved Aberdeen FC and how they're trying to resurrect the dead um, plague victims <laughs> in terms of their new stadium. Uh, they've come under fire again this week. And this is from the Scottish Sun. And the headline is, pie chart. Uh, Aberdeen bosses are forced to justify price of pies after fan fury over catering costs. So Aberdeen FC have been forced to respond to immense backlash over rising catering prices at Pitotry. Aberdeen chiefs have been strong-handed into responding uh, to the fury from supporters after they found the club had hiked prices by 20% across the board when they returned to Pitotry for the first time when they faced Dumbarton on Wednesday night. Amid the ongoing cost of living crisis, uh, supporters were very keen to vent their fury at the price hike in the stadium. The cost saw several pop items, including the matchday pies and fizzy drinks, all increase. One fan joked on Twitter that he just had to remortgage his house <laughs> after buying a steak pie. Uh, prices include, and I've got a, somebody is so furious they had tweeted the price list. Um, so we can have a little quiz after. But uh, I could tell you that. Uh, but prices include three pounds for a bag of popcorn. Could have got for blockbuster <laughs> for three mate. Uh, <laughs> Two pounds ninety for a medium coat and four pounds ten pence for a steak pie. Uh, but in the statement, a club spokesman spokesperson said they wanted to explain the changes that had been made to the matchday menu in conjunction with the catering partner Baxter Story. It's the first time in four years that we've seen an increase in prices at the kiosk, and it's never easy making the decision to put the prices up, but even more so in the current climate. Uh, but we've been forced to do so as a result of spiralling costs of raw ingredients, particularly meat and dairy which you'll all be seeing at the supermarket checkout. Labour costs have also risen, so this is why we've had to increase the price. We were very careful in terms of the price, so we put an average of 20% increase across the board. Um, in the balance of this, uh, we've introduced some attractive meal deals and a new range of vegetarian and vegan options. We've also been able to hold some of the prices at 2019 prices, including our pitodri pie and uh, our pitodri pie and steak pie meal deals. Uh, it's true that some of our products, like our pitodri pie and steak pies, could be sourced more cheaply, but we're committed to supporting local suppliers who in turn support local jobs and use quality ingredients. Uh, as with the fuel and supply chain costs increasing, hopefully they'll subside and we will pass along any savings by reducing our prices. Will you fuck? <laughs> um, once they've been increased, there's no way they're coming down. So yeah, I was shocked. Somebody had um, I tweeted this, uh, someone that goes to football with their son, and I was quite surprised. So yeah, you're, so £4.10 for a steak pie. Pitodry now, Greg. That's a fucking scandal. But how much was it when you? How much was it when you were going before you moved away from Aberdeen? When you're going regular? Honestly, I think it was about. I think it was about two quid or two pounds right. fifty. I I seem to remember about two fifty for a pie in my head. I think a steak pie was about two fifty, and I think a pitodry pie, which is just a mince right. pie, um, was about two twenty. Well, a Scotch yeah. pie, not a yeah, mince yeah. pie. So yeah. I think I'm sure that was about two twenty. So how much do you think that is now for a pitodry pie? Yeah. About four pounds ten. 
Well, no, it's a steak pie is four ten. A potato right. pie, it's only three pounds fifty. Oh, right, okay. That's a bargain. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you can get a macaroni pie for three pounds thirty. Right. A hot dog is four pounds fifty. What? And a veggie hot dog is four pounds fifty. And if you want a, a burger, and somebody tweeted a photo of the burger that they got on Wednesday night. And it genuinely, I think I'd rather have a Rustler's burger <laughs> than this fucking atrocity they got served. Um, it cost them five pounds. And it was, it literally like looked like a cold, you know, like a, a it looked gray, yeah, yeah. like a gray burger, literally just in a sesame seed bun. But like the top of the inside of the bun had all stuck to the burger as uh. well. Like it was a congealed mess. Oh, it looked horrible. And they sent a photo of it to the club complaining. Hey. And the club did respond saying, oh, it looks like that might have been left in the broiler slightly too long. Really sorry about that. Here's a voucher for a free pie and a free Coke for your next visit. And I think the guy said, just fucking stick up your arse. I'm not fucking eating there again. Like, I don't want free food. I'm not eating there ever again. But then that leads to people, I saw people having a go at him and saying, well, why are you eating at the stadium anyway? And he's like, well, I just finished work and I had to come. That was my dinner and ended up just throwing it in the bin. Now, for me, that was always one of the highlights of going to football, get a pie. I'd always get two pies. Um <laughs> Yeah, it was always great. I remember when I took my wife to her first and last football match, <laughs> um, when she said about getting a pie, I was like, yeah, can you get me two, please? <laughs> two. Said, yeah, two pies. Yeah, one to eat. Have to one, have a couple of potato pies. One to eat, one to throw at Ian Durant. That's <laughs> <laughs> Ian Durant. Come on, man. Although we were playing Rangers, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's a, an absolute scandal, some of those prices. I mean, you're £2.60 for a bovril. <laughs> I mean, I tend to sort of think, you know, like when when I went to football, I never really ate. I would like get like something to drink, either cold or hot, um, depending on what time of the year it was. Um, but but also normally, I'd have, I would have had a couple of pints before I got into the stadium. You know what I mean? So I think everything's getting more expensive. I mean, Aberdeen's always been a pricey place in general compared to other parts of Scotland because of the oil money that's there. But um, but yeah, four pounds ten for a. £3.50 for a hot dog is a fucking scandal, Franco. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, as you say, and, um, £4.10 for a steak pie, that's ridiculous. Like, I, I'm hoping it's Wagyu beef that's in there if you're fucking paying that price. <laughs> but no, it's local suppliers only, so it's uh, it'll be the, the finest Aberdeen Angus. I bet it's... I bet it's shite as well. <laughs> uh, but then someone else had tweeted a photo of this pie, and uh, not from Aberdeen, but it's from Arbroath. And it's a steak and black pudding pie. Nice. And I have to say, Greg, it looks absolutely delectable. It does indeed. And that's uh, £2.20. Well, fucking... So get yourself down our broth for a steak and black pudding pie for £2.20. It's almost enough to turn this vegetarian back into a meat eater. Um, okay, Greg, what else have you seen this week that you'd like to tell us about on the Swally? People who listen to us regularly will know that very occasionally we like to take a break from stories about people masturbating in public and general <laughs> antisocial behaviour and report on something positive. Um, so I, I read this story on the BBC News uh, website this week um, and it's it's quite an amazing story so I thought I would uh, I would read it um, it's about Hugh McGowan and the headline is River Clyde train rescue without my life jacket I'd be dead a 60 year old man 
who swam a mile in freezing temperatures after his boat capsized in the River Clyde says his life jacket saved his life. Security guard Hugh McGowan and his friends have lived to tell the tale of the dramatic rescue. After an exhausting swim, Mr McGowan flagged down, flagged down a passenger train <laughs> whose driver stopped and got out to help. Meanwhile, a passerby guided a rescue helicopter to the remote location of the second casualty. The dramatic events took place in the River Clyde near Cardross, uh, Argyle and Butte on Thursday. Mr McGowan and his friend, who is 75, were fishing in his 15-foot vessel, as they often did. He told BBC Scotland, all of a sudden I heard a big bang and the boat capsized. We were in the water and I saw a big bit of wood floating down the river that looked like a railway sleeper. That's what hit us and turned us over. We're in the water with the life jackets on and basically had an option to swim to one side of the river or the other. The other side, toward Port Glasgow, has a fast-flowing channel in deep water. On the Cardross side, close in, there was shallow water and sandbanks, so we went for the safe option. The two men started swimming to shore, stopping to rest before starting again. It took more than an hour to get close to the shore. Miss McGowan said, wow. we would swim so far and then run out of steam. I was worried about my mate. I was holding on to him, but my arms were failing and my legs were failing. And he was drifting away and I got him, but it happened again. And by the third time, I couldn't keep up with the current. So I had no choice but to leave him. He got to the shore, but was faced with a climb. He said there were a load of rocks in front of the railway. It felt like I was climbing Mount Everest. I could hardly walk. I thought I would try to attract the train and see if somebody on the train would phone emergency services. The train driver saw the man at the side of the track and stopped. Uh, This is where Steve Muldoon from the Clyde Coast Guard takes up the story. He said, Hugh had a conversation with the train driver, told him his friend was in the water, that their boat had capsized and he needed emergency service assistance. I'm sure the driver had never dealt with that in his life. Yeah, fucking sure he hadn't. He raised the alarm first by using his onboard radio. He then clambered quite a distance down onto the track. At that point, he met another member of the public who had called 999 and managed to go down to the shoreline and enter the water and rescue the second person. The other rescuer had, while on the phone to the Coast Guard operator, also guided the helicopter into the remote area. He said, um, Hugh said he was still feeling cold from the experience, but obviously glad to be alive. He said, without my life jacket, I'd be dead. I did right the boat, but it was filled to the top with water and there was no way I could have bailed it. The safety measures saved my life. My life jacket was a present for my 60th birthday. Um, So yeah, fucking hell. I mean, that must have been scary. You know what I mean? Fucking really scary. I mean, Shug's a fucking hero. (laughs) I I can't believe, like, been able to... How old is his mate? You say 75. 75, yeah. Jesus. And Shug was effectively keeping him afloat as well it, and holding on to him whilst what's up for, for over an hour yeah yeah for his, yeah he, he held on he's made his life jacket on as well so he, he tried to keep them together keep them together yeah. um but i guess he eventually he was just he was too tired from you know try to drag them both towards the shore and uh yeah to let them go. i mean that that water must be freezing oh, as well yeah, definitely not to think of all the fucking diseases and yeah. dead bodies and <laughs> Illegal firearms that are probably <laughs> at the bottom of that river as well. <laughs> um, there's a oh, good on you, Shuck. That's that's incredible story. Yeah. Um, is it wrong that my first thought is that episode of Still Game when <laughs> they have the the dinghy in there? <laughs> no, no, I know. Yeah, that's 
It's kind of the, 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 the deliverance type. The river, was yeah, that the, so, the river Kelvin, was it, I think? Yeah, yes, yeah. I think it is, yeah. yeah. I think you're right. Um, that That is incredible, and it's so nice, actually. You know, something, we did say many episodes ago we're going to start having slightly more heartwarming stories, yeah. but it's just too obvious <laughs> to go just, for, as you say, topless men. Yeah, too many people masturbating in public in Scotland, that's a problem. But that's, a, yeah, he's a, a bona fide mm. hero. In fact, I, I'm doing you a disservice calling you Shug. I'm, I'm going to call you Hugh. You, you deserve that um what a hero yeah. that's amazing and flag down a, a train fucking passenger train <laughs> as well yeah. that's that's amazing what a guy i know i mean well i think they were in quite a remote sort of part of the track and a remote part of the river um which is probably the best place to fish i can't imagine that's probably where the fish stay because there'll be less i'm assuming i'm no expert but i'd imagine there'd be less kind of pl- sort of pollution and maybe less sort of discarded condoms and firearms as you say and stuff like that <laughs> down that end so, unless they've been swept downstream um from glasgow so um so yeah i thought we'll have a that will change a pace there i like a, a bit of a nice story about a, a lucky escape but uh quite exciting and dramatic oh, you know yeah certainly yeah. is oh well hugh you are our swally hero of the week this week we don't usually have a hero <laughs> no. of the week but we're going to give it to you this week yeah, if we do make somebody a hero they generally don't deserve it <laughs> that's true yeah very true <laughs> anyway what's your next uh, story this week oh i feel kind of bad now greg because i'm about to take things downhill <laughs> um so this is from the uh, the scottish sun this week lust orders i outed a couple for romping in my bar but cops took my phone and accused me of breaking the law i'm so sorry hugh that you have to this, this follows your heroic tale we should have uh, put you on we last. Should have, anyway yeah. uh, say this is from the scottish sun this week a shocked bar boss outed a couple for romping in her pub but cops seized her phone and warned her that she could be the one in hot water michelle ward 52 was horrified when the pair enjoyed a steamy clinch and lap dance in full view of other punters. Uh, The raunchy action was captured on CCTV, so she shared the footage online in the hope of getting the names to pass to police. But officers turned up to quiz her and warned her that she may have broken the law by posting the steamy clip on social media. They confiscated her mobile phone and told her that she might be hit with criminal charges. Michelle, who runs Number 44 Bar uh, and Hotel in Stonehaven, Aberdeenshire, said, I'm shocked. I've done nothing wrong. I was very concerned that these two idiots might have wrecked my family-friendly business, so I wanted to draw attention to them. What, by posting a (laughs) porno on the fucking social media? Um, All I was trying to do was make it clear that this kind of behaviour is not going to be tolerated, but now I'm being told that I might have committed a crime. I'm extremely worried about this. Uh, The bloke and... (laughs) This is the fucking... Uh, The bloke and the woman arrived at the popular venue on Sunday night along with his mum. It was busy because the town's folk festival was in full swing. When the guy's mother slipped away from the table, the woman clambered onto the guy's lap for a one-on-one dance. He had his top off, (laughs) as you do. (laughs) It's it's Stonehaven, so it doesn't surprise (laughs) me. Um, And she was wearing a flimsy dress, so it looks like they're naked in the clip. As she grinds on top of him. I have seen this video and yeah, she does look like she's naked, I'll be honest. Uh, Michelle said it was right in the middle of service and they were surrounded by customers. Everyone just got up and left as soon as it started. They told the bar staff what they were doing and they were thrown out. Right, so fine. It's solved then, isn't it? Uh, Michelle, who's ran the venue since 2009, feared that the pair could have trashed her business. It didn't last any longer than a couple of minutes. But we've had a very difficult time over the last couple of years. The last thing we need is the is the plague. Um, <laughs> but the, sec- the, last but the second the last thing we need is... <laughs> 
the last thing we need is these idiots carrying on like this. They could have wrecked our reputation. Now, this is the bit I don't understand with this story. There's more to this than meets the eye. <laughs> Michelle said that the man came in to say sorry uh-huh. the following day. She revealed he was very apologetic. I was happy with the apology and would probably have left it at that. But then the police came to me. I've no idea what's going to happen next. Well, you're probably going to get done for distributing pornography on websites, I think. <laughs> um, Michelle apologised to her regulars, but has had a flood of support, and they've told her she has nothing to say sorry for. She said it's very comforting to get that. Business here is seasonal, and we rely on locals when the tourists are gone. Uh, a police spokesman said police are aware that a video was posted on social media in relation to this incident, and inquiries are continuing. Now, I don't quite get this. So uh, from what I can gather, Michelle wasn't there that night. So uh, this couple have maybe been getting a little bit amorous in the bar. Somebody said, Look, have a word with them. They've been thrown out. Fine. That's it done. Michelle's heard about this the next day, has had a look at the CCTV, seen what's happened, has then clipped it, <laughs> put it onto social media to find out who they are. But then the guys come in and apologised and she's like I would have left it at that but now the police have got involved well that's your fault Michelle so why why didn't you take that clip down <laughs> or why is, why is she she's the one in the wrong here effectively she's distributing yeah. pornography and <laughs> stuff on I mean it's not porn it was a little lap dance so it's nothing too bad but I, I don't know I, you're in murky territory there of posting cctv of people I, i'd understand if it was a crime well you know what i mean like if it had been robbed or something and you're like does anyone know who these guys are yeah. but again do you not need their permission for that before i don't know it's, yeah it's a bit of a gray area she's um there's there's a follow-up article where she's been let off but she's <laughs> she's on ah, okay. she's only been let off because the couple weren't actually having sex <laughs> she said um <laughs> the, the last thing I wanted was a criminal record at my age. <laughs> have you ever, well, you've worked in the restaurant and pub industry and stuff, have you ever had to throw anyone out for having no. rumpy pumpy or anything like that in a restaurant? No, no I've, could, I've thrown people out. I've had to throw people out for like taking drugs in the toilets, like quite obviously, uh-huh. which uh, I think I'd rather throw somebody out for having sex than throw like a... <laughs> throw a fucking raging heroin addict out um of a bar but um <laughs> but no I, no I, I i mean i've been quite lucky in my life uh, in hospitality to be honest i've not had to deal with a, a great deal of such things uh but no i mean i worked in bars and restaurants you know in my youth and i i don't think i can't remember and i would have thought like one of the places i worked in was uh not a nightclub but it was kind of the the bar you'd go to before the nightclub and i would have thought there i would have caught people mm. shagging but i don't think i have um and there was a couple of perfect spots for it as well in that uh, place. Yeah, Revolution, Revolution. Dolman Street, Aberdeen. Um, <laughs> if you go down the bottom of the stairs, like round the corner bit, there's a little bit and there's a ledge. It'd be It's perfect. Um, I don't think, yeah, I ever caught anyone doing anything untoward or, or not that I'm aware of, but which is surprising because that's the kind of place that I would think. And I don't think I've ever seen I can, I can remember our mutual friend making a frankly outrageous claim that perhaps you can verify or otherwise, but he claims that at a walk-in party that you guys had in Daytona, he took a young lady off to the disabled toilet but neglected to close the door properly and um, and it was caught on the camera or part of it or something. Is that true? No, I don't think it was caught on the camera as such because right. I don't think there was a, a camera there. No, what happened was, he is telling the truth is actually. He? <laughs> I was there. Yeah. Um, young lady's quite generous for the, the woman that was involved. Um <laughs> 
<laughs> wasn't printed. Um, <laughs> uh, no, they went to the disabled toilet. And it's true, they were engaging in um, uh, an act that was fully consensual mm-hmm. and everything was fine. But I think she was enjoying herself so much that she let, she reached out and grabbed something and pulled it and it was the emergency oh. cord. Um, so, so the alarm went off and a few people went rushing to see what was happening in the disabled toilet and caught them shagging. Uh So yes, it's, it's, yeah, it's partly true, actually. I don't think it was caught on camera, but um, yeah, the alarm went off because... Uh, she was enjoying herself so much. Right. Um, yeah, that's true. That's probably the only time, but that was a lock-in, so it wasn't um, didn't count, I guess. But certainly nothing. That was before camera phones, so if, yeah. if they had existed, then we would have definitely taken photos, and they would have been all over <laughs> Facebook the next day. Oh dear, we're so lucky to have. Oh, we're so lucky to have gone through our youth and the days before surveillance, <laughs> personal surveillance. Yeah, I can. I I could not imagine being a youngster nowadays. Um, you know, I'd imagine like our friend who used to loiter outside Little John's. His uh, his photos would be all <laughs> over the internet. <laughs> <laughs> diners taking photos of him he'd have been arrested halfway up backwind nowadays yes. in terms of uh, that's not a euphemism definitely sounds <laughs> the name of the street yeah, definitely sounds like one but we can promise you it's not well like i never had any more stories but <laughs> i just i just saw this one and i just know i just saw it like right now i just know that you that you are going to get a kick out of it so the head <laughs> the headline is Tav Tat, Rangers fan gets hilarious James Taverna Scottish Cup tattoo with six fingers and fans can't handle it. <laughs> so this guy's got a picture of James Taverna lifting the Scottish Cup. <laughs> it's got too many fingers <laughs> on his left hand. He's got it on his leg. <laughs> so, uh, that's it. Uh, that's wonderful. Uh, so sorry to connect. Uh, I think it's Tavenier. Oh, sorry, is, uh, how it's oh, pronounced. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, Rangers fans. So he's got he's uh, he's holding up a trophy and he's got six fingers. <laughs> <Yeah>. One. <laughs> has, has anyone checked? Maybe he does have six fingers. It's, 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 it's his right hand, so that you can see his thumb just at the top, and then five, <laughs> five fingers. It says um, he was the man who lifted Rangers long awaited fifty fifth top flight title and helped end Scotland's 10-in-a-row celebrations a year early in 2021 season under Stephen Gerrard. Uh, last season, he added the Scottish Cup trophy to the trophy cabinet, blah, blah, blah. It was also, yep, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's an incredible achievement considering his right-back position, and one fan has shown his appreciation by getting a huge, a huge, that is fucking huge, tattoo of him <laughs> on his thigh. Uh, the Tav Tat shows that Englishman... When he lifted the Scottish Cup trophy at Hamden in May, can't fault him for effort, but some fans can't believe how far he's gone to hail the 30 year old club legend. Um, that's hilarious. Six fingers, six, I bet, I bet, I bet he gets the absolute piss ripped out of him in the dressing room next, next season. I'm looking at the photo of it now. I mean, first of all, it is a fucking horrendous tattoo, like even at the best times. Yeah. It doesn't look like him. It looks like, I can't think who it. It looks like, but it does look like someone. It almost kind of looks a bit like Freddy Krueger with hair. Yeah. Or I don't know. It'll come to me. Be Billy D. Williams. <laughs> it looks like it looks like like an old photograph of Little Richard. That's yeah. who it is. Thank you. That is exactly who it is. Like the, I, I guess it's his top lip, but it does look like he's got like a pencil mustache. Yeah, it does. Uh, and yeah, it's like yeah, Little Richard or like Rick Springfield yeah. or something like yeah. Cab Calloway. 
That's uh, that's bizarre. Wow. Six fingers. Surely you would notice that. Surely you would feel like, oh, have you done enough fingers there? Um, I'll just do an extra one just in case. <laughs> oh, well, that's uh, something to remember him by anyway. That's a fucking, that's, that takes up like most of his thigh as well. Jesus. That's a beauty. Oh, well. Oh, dear. Oh, okay. Anything else that you've seen this week, Greg? Any other six-fingered delights? <laughs> no, that's the, no. the only six-fingered delight I've seen okay. this week. Okay, then. Uh, right, before we get on to what we're going to be talking about on the Swally today, let's have a little word from our sponsors. At the end of the day, one bank is nearer to you and your needs. The Clydesdale Bank gives first-year full-time students six pounds to spend in John Menzies or student union shops. Come in and check it out. The Clydesdale Bank. It's worth checking into. Okay, Greg, so it was your choice this week. So why don't you tell us what we're going to be talking about on the Swally today? I do. I've got a bit of a confession. I wasn't 100% prepared <laughs> last time. Um, so I did just kind of go. I did, I, did, I did sort of shoot from the hip a little bit. Um, but I enjoyed the first series of this uh of this show so much when we covered it the last uh, last year and I've been looking to I've been trying to find time to watch the second series so I'm 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 glad that I uh, I'm glad that I was a bit underprepared last time but I chose the second series of BBC Scotland's phenomenal uh kind of what do you call it crime drama slash comedy slash mostly drama uh, guilt so the the series this second series came out last year in 2021 uh filmed during the height of the pandemic uh, Mark Bonner comes back as Max Jamie Sives comes back but not until the last episode as his brother Jake and the superb uh, Eamon Elliot uh is back as Teddy um Bill Patterson not back as Roy Lynch which I did find a bit jarring if I'm honest but I did I kind of I sort of warmed up to Stuart to Stuart Bowman as uh, as it went on what did you, what did you think of that did, did, I mean I got to be honest I didn't realize that Max was talking to Roy Lynch straight away you know yeah it took me by surprise a little bit as well when I first watched it um I th- I swear I read this or heard it somewhere from Mark Bonner or Neil Forsyth around about the time that I watched series two. I am 100% sure, but I cannot find this source anywhere again. So apologies if I'm misremembering this, but it was purely because it was at the height of the pandemic Mm. and because Bill Patterson is in advancing years. And I think he lives in England and he was a bit unsure about traveling up and filming and just to be on the safe side so yes they had to recast him um and yeah it it took me by surprise and it took me a a bit to get into it thinking oh yeah it's roy lynch Mm -hmm. because because it's bill patterson yeah you know it it's it's odd replacing uh, an actor of that stature, but you, you kind of had to keep the the character. So a little bit jarring, but yeah, it, it works though. Stuart uh, Bowman is is fantastic, and he does kind of fill the role yep. very yep. well. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, written by one of our favourites, uh, Neil Forsyth, um, who wrote, who is the writer and creator of the show, famously. Uh, the writer of one of our favourite things that we've covered in the Swally, Bob Servant, as well. Um, and mm. did us what the young kids would call a solid when we did our Bob Servant episode by retweeting and, and getting us a lot of downloads. Uh, so thank you, Neil, for that. Uh, so quite a different... I think, you know, this the sort of setup of the first series... Is quite straightforward, and if anybody's listening who's not seen the first series, basically uh, Max and Jake uh, they hit an old man in their car driving back from a wedding. Uh, Max is not driving because he's had a drink. Jake is driving because he's not had the drink, but unfortunately, he's he's neither insured 
nor sober because he'd smoked a couple of joints at the wedding. Um, and the sto- and the first series is about them trying to cover up uh, the fact that they've um, hit, they've accidentally killed this old man. This second series, there's a lot more going on in terms of the plot, and it's a I found it a little harder to sort of keep up with everything that was going on until. You know, all the kind of all the sort of threads of the story come together in the in the last episode. Well, how did you feel about this uh, second series? Uh, yeah, well, I, I should obviously say as well, in case you haven't watched this, then we are going to be spoiling this quite a lot because it is quite a recent thing. Second series, and, <clears throat> and funnily enough, I listened back to our episode on series one, Gil, and I I said at the end, I can't wait. I'm going to literally go and watch series two after recording this because I I didn't want to watch it straight away to cloud my. Mm-hmm kind of memory of series one sort of thing and i did that evening my wife and i started series two and we watched it over the the course of the couple evenings so we'd watched it very close to series one if that makes sense like like a week apart um i have to say i i initially i didn't enjoy series two as much when i first watched it having re-watched it i i really enjoyed it i i agree i think it's a bit more of a complex story the the first series is is very simple in terms of, as you say, they, they hit a guy in a car and it's almost the rest of the series is them thinking they've got away with it. Mm. And then at the end of every episode, there's some sort of like cliffhanger, yeah. like something, you know, it scuppers them and, and everything they do to try and cover up, they get more and more involved and, you know, the lies get bigger and get deeper into it. Um, I felt that this series, there, was, there wasn't really so much of that. There wasn't like a cliffhanger every episode i think maybe episode three Mm -hmm. and and that was something they did so well i i went back and i read all of the press that they did before this series came out and everything that they released it said unfortunately uh, jamie sives is not back this series so it it was a genuine surprise when jake comes out yeah yeah. and i was surprised and i'm sure you were as well because you're you're not you're thinking oh it's it's better you know i I miss Jake and Max, you know, and that's, it wasn't until the first few minutes of episode four that I clicked. I was like, that's what this has been missing. Yeah. It's Jake and Max and the, the interaction and the banter and just even the, the little dialogue they have there about the, oh, you just come winging in, you know, to save the fucking day. And, and when Jake says, oh, they told me you got hit by a bus <laughs> and Max, who gets hit by a fucking bus? <laughs> like, yeah. The little interaction between the two and the banter. And you're like, this is what's been missing. What is this? What did they tell you it was, Jake? What master plan did they come up with to dupe you? I got a call to say that you were in hospital, that you were dying. <laughs> Jesus Christ. There's Lothian police. You don't question a phone call from Lothian police. Two years gone and you just roll back in on a fucking wave of stupidity. That's out of order. I didn't have to come. That's kind of my point. I'm doing well over there, Max. I've got Angie, I've got a whole life, and then I got a call to say my brother's been hit by a bus. Who gets hit by a bus? And I came without a moment's thought, without a moment's hesitation. So, 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 so just show me some respect or I'm walking. As much as Enem Elliot being kind of promoted to second lead as Kenny. Mm. Uh, Kenny is is such a fantastic character and he's so funny and he's just what Max needs as well. But it just missed that Max and Jake yeah. banter yeah. and interaction between the two. And, and those bits when they were together, you're like, this is what I've been missing. This is what made series one so fucking golden. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I do, I do like... Uh, Kenny, though, in this series, mm. um, you know, I think, you, you, I think, you know, the, the character of Kenny, I think, you know, in, in the first series, Jake is sort of the, the sort of heart of the show in the sense that he's he's kind of trying to do the right thing. 
but he's mm. he's initially quite easily influenced by his brother and then they you know when he meets um was it Yvonne uh, not Yvonne what's the girl called in the first series uh Angie yeah he meets Angie and then he's quite easily manipulated by her whereas uh you know I think in this series Kenny is the heart in the sense that he is mm. he is sort of trying and he's trying to give Max a a, a second chance when he comes out of prison despite everything despite how max has manipulated them we we learn pretty much for years they've known each other in some shape or form since they were like kids max is is kind of manipulating them all the way through the seat all the way through this series as well so when he finds out what max is up to in that sort of last sec in the last episode he, st- he still can't quite bring himself to fuck Max up. And as much as he really wants yeah. to, you know what I mean? You know, and despite the fact that Max has kind of jeopardized this sort of honest, fresh start that he's trying to make with his, with his legal company and his investigation company, he's met Yvonne, uh, who's also uh, the police officer who's also a recovering alcoholic like him and all this kind of stuff. I think he's really, really good. And the thing I like the best about Kenny is his wardrobe. <laughs> he's fucking... best dressed guy in the show (laughs) i i think that's the you've you've hit the nail on the head in terms of he is the heart of the series and kenny's he's such a nice guy and when you think back to series one when you first meet him he's he's pissed and i I can't remember when they're in the the balmoral and and he comes out with some amazing line about i can't remember now what it is but we did cover it on the episode it's like about trying to fuck try to fuck something or something um uh but then he, he gets sober and he becomes, mm. you know, this private investigator that he knows he can be. And in this series, he's he's great. He's just so switched on. Mm. And, and as you say, you, you really feel for him. And, and he's got some absolute belting lines in terms of, you know, the, the business cards with the owls mm. and stuff. And it's just, it, you know, and the fact that he's called his law firm Burns Investigates. <laughs> and when Max asks him, he goes, we've had the odd misunderstanding. <laughs> it's... <laughs> it's <laughs> HND leaves you somewhat lacking in legal expertise, which is why you're working out of a shithole in Leith and have made the catastrophic decision to name your business Burns Investigations. It's my name. It sounds a little niche. Well, we've had the odd misunderstanding. They're still loving and potent. Out and bothers. Brilliant, you know, throwaway lines. As you say, uh, great wardrobe. And I'm, I was so happy for him in terms of he seemed so happy with Yvonne. Mm-hmm. And when she phones him to say they can't do it anymore because obviously she to do with her police work, I genuinely felt crushed for yeah. Kenny. And when he goes to open that drawer and and gets the whiskey, I'm I'm shouting at the screen, "Don't do it, Kenny! Yeah. You're two years clean and sober. Do not do this." And in the next episode, when you see him in the morning and the full bottle's still there, I genuinely felt like a wave of yeah. relief, like thank fuck. Kenny didn't drink and he's just got himself so together so switched on knows what he wants and he genuinely is the as you say the heart of this series mm-hmm. in terms of the the glue that kind of holds it all together um and some his interactions with Max it, it's no Jake and Max but yeah. it's it's up there yeah, yeah. with some of the banter they have yeah it's great um you know like Mark Bonner is Max the way his sort of reaction to some of the more eccentric stuff that Kenny does or says you know, like he, 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 you can tell that he wants to sort of tear him apart, but he also needs him. You know, so he can. He doesn't want. He, yeah. doesn't, want, he doesn't want to upset Kenny too much. So it's just like the facial expressions as Mark, as uh, Max reacts to some of this, like the, the owls on the business card being a 
particularly good one. <laughs> I do love the when he, he meets Erin for the first time and he hands her the business <laughs> card and, and she says, aren't you a little far from uh, Pilton and your owl sanctuary? <laughs> the way Mark Bonner just delivers the line, uh, my partner designed those, he's an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> yeah, so the, 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 the sort of story behind this one, Max uh, is out of prison. Um, he's out of prison early. We learn that he is working. The reason he's out of prison early is because he's agreed to work with uh, an undercover police officer to bring down um, the aforementioned Roy Lynch, who pretty much ruins Max at the end of the first series, takes over his law firm and everything. Uh, in, the, in the process, uh, a new character is Erin, uh, Roy Lynch's daughter. In the, in the first episode, um, we've learned that her husband is a recovering drug addict, well, not, not, not recovering particularly well, a <laughs> drug addict who, who comes over a bag of money in a casino. Uh, the, the owner of said bag of money comes to get it and uh, kills the husband, leading to uh, Erin inadvertently killing uh, the guy whose money she's taken. All this is against the backdrop of uh, Roy Lynch trying to go straight. Uh, he's bought a big, huge plot of land in Leith that he wants to redevelop. Uh, in the midst of that, there's a church uh, with a minister who we learn used to be a bad boy as well, but is trying to you know, uh, atone for his life of crime by being a community minister. Yeah, I mean, it just, it would, I, I, I could explain it and still miss out huge parts of <laughs> important plot. Yeah. But that's the, that, those are the rough broad strokes um, of, uh, of the second series, I think. And I think this series is a lot darker than series one. And I, I think they've, they've filmed it beautifully in that it's depicted in Edinburgh as well. If you think about the first series, okay, I mean, a lot of it is set in Walter's house yeah. in the first series, which is in a nice suburban neighbourhood. It's all sunny and bright. The shots of Edinburgh and surrounding areas, and of course, we spend a bit of time in Leith and a bit of time in Pilton, but it's it's a lot grimier, mm, yeah. the city, in, in this. And I, I think that's been done on purpose to show that it's a bit darker and yeah. murkier. And I thought that was a very nice choice because, as we've said before on many episodes, the you know Edinburgh is probably the most beautiful city in Scotland, and and a lot of stuff that we've covered, like Sunshine on Leith or um, mm. Our Ladies, for example, show Edinburgh in a, a beautiful light and what a beautiful city it is. But even when you see like Arthur's yeah. seat in series two of Guilt, it looks a bit like yeah, okay, yeah, I could take it or leave it. It I, I like what they've done yeah. there in terms of just making it a little bit grimier and yeah. dirty. I mean, and they show a lot more of Edinburgh, I think, in this series than they did in the last one, to your point. You know, it, every mm. episode, if we're at Lloyd's flat, you know, it's, he's got that view of Calton Hill from his from his, from his balcony oh, yeah. and stuff. And, you know, you often see Max walking with the, with the castle in the background and stuff. You know, so you're unmistakably uh, in Edinburgh. And I know that they, you know, they filmed a bit of this in Clyde Bank and bits in Glasgow and stuff like that. And, um, to, you know, doubling for uh, for Leith and for Edinburgh. But um, but yeah, no, you're right. And I know that it was filmed in like, a, I was I watched a little making of video and it was filmed in the winter, uh, 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 sort of late 2021. So there's like snow and stuff that have, have was it? Uh, 2020, 2020 yeah. um, so it's like snow and things that are having to be uh, ploughed off and, um, and all that sort of, you know, to kind of keep the, the sort of seasonality consistent. And I did wonder, because I, I saw some of that as well, and I saw some of the making of photos, and you see them with their face masks on during takes, mm. and in between takes, yeah. sorry. And you're thinking, of course, COVID restrictions. And when watching this again, I thought, ah, now, now I think about it, there's only ever two or three people mm -hmm. in a scene. And I wonder if that was because of COVID, because even like the, the police station, there's hardly anyone in that office. But then I thought back to series one and 
that was kind of the same. There was only ever two yeah. or three people in any scene. I think that maybe Walter's wake is probably the biggest, you know, there's a lot of people in, yeah. in his house. But other than that, you only ever have like at the most, maybe three characters interacting at the same time. So it wasn't due to COVID restrictions. It's just due to the smart writing of, of Neil Forsyth and, and the way that he's he's done it, I think, in terms of don't overload the screen, don't overload the characters, just keep it simple. And that's why some of the dialogue and, and some of the writing is so sharp and, and just hits home so well maybe yeah well i think that i think that's his um you know that's his forte as a writer i think uh forsyth to your point is you know if we, if we look at bob servant you know uh, the majority of bob servant is uh is brian cox and jonathan watson and they're and having mm. having conversations you know what i mean um yeah you know and I, th- I think i think when his his, his real forte forsyth is that he is a very good uh, conversational writer you know, like his, you know, he's got a real ear for dialogue and all that, you know. Yeah, he has a, a knack if he can just like sum up a part of the plot in, in such a concise and quick way with clever dialogue and then just land this zinger mm-hmm. in as well that just makes you chuckle and laugh. But it's just such a, the pacing of it is so good. And I'd say a lot of that is down to the actors and their delivery, but the majority of it is down to his writing. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and Eamon Elliot, I think he, 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 said, he says that in that little making of video, you know, he's, you know, he, he said that, you know, the writing is the sort of star of the show, you know, uh, as far as he's concerned. As you say, the, um, we're, we're joined by a few new cast members and then a few, mm-hmm. you know, left, obviously, in terms of the show. But you've got uh, Mark Bonner, of course, as, as Max, who I think we, we gushed about him enough on the first yeah. series of Guilt, but you, could we gush about him even more? He's just such an incredible actor. And I would recommend there's a, a podcast he did um, with uh, Craig Parkinson, who's also in line of duty mm-hmm. um and they, they just chat for about an hour and it's just it, he's such a a lovely guy in terms of just you know so down to earth and just such a, a nice guy but yeah what a phenomenal actor and max is just a, so a slimy great. bastard but he's just he's just super cool as well and kind of chilled but it's his, his facial expressions as you and i think we spoke about this on the when we did series one the way he can just kind of turn away and then just turn back and yeah you know be kind of nice and smiley and there's so many beautiful throwaway lines that he has that are just so funny and and his interactions with kenny but his interactions with teddy yeah, as well yeah. are are phenomenal and and we'll come on to greg McHugh as well and how chilling he is as as teddy but the way max talks about the time he spent in prison with teddy yeah. it's you genuinely believe that he was, you know, in prison with him and was fearing for his life. When he's telling Kenny the story about how he used to lie on the bunk and, and listen to him breathe, yeah. it's oh, incredible. Yeah, I mean, and the thing about Max in this series is, as the series goes on, you kind of feel like, you know, it sort of, he sort of starts out, it feels like it starts out very much, he's out for revenge. You know, he's out to get back what he's lost hmm. and take revenge yeah. on Roy Lynch. But as it as the series goes on, it feels like that perhaps isn't. He still wants to do that, then it's, but it's not necessarily the priority. You know what I mean? It's he, you. You feel like he does want to do the right thing. You know, they we, he has that conversation with Kenny in the office before Kenny discovers the memory cards and stuff, uh, the USB sticks and stuff in the drawer. And you sort of feel like you know that he does actually, as much as Kenny fucking not get gets on his tits or whatever. You know, it's like he's sort of come to realization that Kenny is actually trying to give him a chance, even though it's not, it's it's well below him in his own mind that little office that they have and stuff that he he does want to do the right thing. He wants to do the right thing 
thing by Aaron. He's tr- he's actively trying to protect Aaron from Teddy because it was uh, mm. Teddy's brother that Aaron shot in the house. You know, so he you know they while Roy Lynch thinks that he's trying to use Aaron to get to him. You know, he, he's not really because they're very much in it together. You know, he he's he's made it clear that there's no relationship with her going forward to her but he still wants to protect her from teddy you know what i mean yeah and all that and even and even when teddy first comes into the office and he says to kenny we just can't get involved here you know what i mean because you know we can't yeah. get involved this guy's dangerous etc i think in the first series you, you're not really rooting for max as no. such you're rooting for jake yeah. whereas in this series you find yourself you are rooting for max because he is and, and i think he justifies that at the end massive spoiler for the end but he does kind of tie everything up and he's a good guy you know he he hands signs the whole business over to kenny and you know Mm -hmm. gives kenny effectively the money that they got from cleaning that hundred grand for for roy he has set erin up with her biological father yeah of course in terms of sandy to get a new start um he has effectively got maggie arrested for the murder and he's delivered Roy Lynch to Teddy mm-hmm. and we don't know what's going to happen there but I don't think it's going to be pretty for Roy and and, and Roy accepts that yeah, yeah. and and he's he's off to Chicago see Jake it, it works out beautifully in the end for Max he's tied up all the loose ends he's done the right thing yeah and I think it, it yeah he, he kind of becomes the hero at the end and you're so glad because as I say in this series you are rooting for him mm-hmm. you are hoping that he does well yeah yeah definitely definitely and then Phyllis Logan I know that you were a big fan of Lovejoy you enjoy seeing yeah <laughs> Nice I did, yeah, yes, I am. I was a big fan of Lovejoy. Uh, so yeah, it was so nice to see her in this. Um, obviously looking a little bit older than yeah. uh, the days when I, I used to quite fancy her when I was a young boy. Um, but yeah, still great. And she's a, a fantastic character. And it, it's maybe it, the way it unfolds in terms of the first episode you meet her and you think she's just this poor woman in a care home and not quite sure. And then you, it unravels. It's yeah. Roy Lynch's wife, Erin's mother. And as the episodes develop, you, you kind of realize she's the, the kind of mastermind. Yeah. She's the evil one behind, you know, Roy's trying to go straight and stuff and, and maybe do the right thing. But she's the one that's the evil, sadistic bitch. Yeah. And she's the power in that couple. Yeah, but is she evil? I wonder because we learn that she's, we learn that Roy has been in a children's home as a, as a youngster and he's been abused when it's something that's haunted him. And she has killed this guy for, for Roy. Because, you know, because she's seen yeah. how he's not been able to sleep. You know, the, the whole affair thing with uh, Sandy and stuff was a bit of a surprise. Uh, I didn't see that coming, um, to be honest. But, um, you know, they, you, there's a sort of feeling that she's definitely the most ruthless of her and Roy. It it transpires, yeah. you know, as, as that character evolves, to your point, from this seemingly vulnerable old lady in a care home to so she evolves into this, actually, she's not that vulnerable and she's quite agile and she's very frightening <laughs> you know and i think her her character you're right actually because she obviously killed albert um for her husband because he'd been abused by him and then the only other kind of crime you and she doesn't commit it is the the guy that's going around selling like dodgy real estate mm-hmm. in the care home to the elderly people um and then she obviously has him done for she's obviously very clever because at the end when she's arrested she does say can you get my pills son dementia it's mm-hmm. terrible i don't know what they'll make of it in court 
Yeah. Her character is kind of summed up for me at the very start of episode four when, and this is another thing they do quite cleverly in this series is the use of flashbacks mm-hmm. as well to show things that previously happened. And you see the end of series one of Max being arrested and driven away and you, you see that Maggie and Roy were actually there. And when she delivers this beautiful speech about how it just broke my heart to see these two brothers at war and split up and fighting. And she just delivers, this, and again, it's the writing, but it's the acting. She just flips and she said, don't get me wrong. I got over it. Yeah, yeah. And it's, <laughs> the delivery of it, it's, she's such a evil character, but has a, a heart in a way. Yeah. You're right. Maybe a lot of the crimes she's committed are, I don't want to say crimes of passion, but almost yeah. that's kind of what they are. They, they have a purpose. They have a reason. It's to to help someone she loves or to, or to save someone she loves. To to That's why she's done it mm-hmm. or has ordered someone to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who else is new in this series? So we see a bit more of um, Stevie, the police officer, in this series. Mm. He's been, uh, he's managed to get himself promoted. I mean, we learn that uh, Avon, played by Rochelle Neal, um, the she's a she was his former partner, uh, kind of police partner. I mean, um, and he's kind of fucked her over, and you know she's not helped herself either because she's been struggling with alcohol alcoholism and stuff, and um, that's how she comes to meet Kenny. Um, well, I think she she's a good character. You know what I mean. So I to, torn between this kind of blossoming affection that she has for Kenny and wanting to sort of see Stevie meet his downfall. You know. Yeah, and and very believable as well in terms of the you kind of pick up on her struggle. And I, I thought it was very well revealed when you you first meet her. She's in the AA meeting with Kenny, and uh, it's not until maybe midway through um, mm-hmm. episode one that you you see her in the police station. You're like, ah, oh, she's a copper. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then you see stevie from uh, the first series she's a, a very good character and, and very good for kenny as well mm-hmm. and, you, and you, you believe that relationship and you, and you want it to to do well yeah but as we say we're rooting for kenny and genuinely when she has to kind of make that decision of to to let him down so she can screw over stevie and, and roy genuinely feel heartbroken for kenny yeah at that moment yeah for sure and then of course you mentioned them earlier but the sort of surprising addition to the cast in the sense of the type of character he plays because obviously we've seen him play a lot of comedic characters up until now is uh, Greg McHugh as Teddy the Psycho. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, I think, his fourth appearance on the Swally. Mm. We've done him in Gary's War, Two Doors Down and Bob Servant. Mm-hmm. And when I read that he'd been signed on to be in the second series, I thought, wow, wonder what kind of character he's going to play. I did not expect him to play a character like Teddy. No. <laughs> and it, it's odd watching him because obviously he's got this mad bowl cut and I, I keep expecting him to, to burst into something about Ogari yeah. or ask, asking Beth if he can have a photo of the steak pie. But he does play <laughs> a fucking loony bin psycho. Yeah very well mm-hmm. he's very convincing in this role and it's kind of what it needed just a, a kind of it's almost like he's a terminator yeah just this machine of the, no emotion um but you know, believable because there are people like that yeah and he's the, the character is very aware of what he is you know what i mean yeah. like he you know he, he knows that he's got this unpredictable anger that can that could just be unleashed at any moment um what, what is it max it says he he battered like four guys for disagreeing over the lyrics to what was the song uh it's uh is it my boy lollipop yeah uh, um, my boy lollipop <laughs> 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 you were right by the way if we don't know if we don't lie to him then maybe we get out of this we need to know what we're dealing with i saw teddy put four men in hospital 
because they disagreed with him over the lyrics to My Boy Lollipop. They were his friends. And they were right about the lyrics, though I suspect that wasn't of any consolation. He was my cellmate. He slept above my head. And I lay there in the dark listening to him breathe. And it felt like I was in a grave. And he was standing watch upon me. That's who we're dealing with. So we tell him we've heard nothing and we move on. Okay. Subtle little bits, like when he first you first um, meet him and Max together and, and he says to Max about how he used to pinch his arms to mm. stop the anger. Mm-hmm. And Max like, I remember, I remember the arm. And later in the episode, when you see him in Max's house, when Max is at errands and he takes off his jacket, did you notice on his arm, he's got pinch marks, mm-hmm. like bruises. Yeah. So he's obviously been trying to control this rage. Max handles him very well, but then there's something un, kind of spoken between the two because Max does say to him, I'll, you know, I'll always remember what you did for me. Yeah. So it sounds like Teddy beat the fuck out of people in prison for Max yeah. to, to keep him safe. Yeah, for sure. And of course, t- Max has kind of turned Teddy on to uh, Papillon, the famous book yeah. about the about the guy escaping from prison. Yeah, he's just he's just this sort of sinister character. I just you know, they, and you always sort of know where, that he's going to be there about a second before he comes on the screen. You know, <laughs> you know, so gets home before other people and just sitting. You know, they not watching TV, not doing it, just sitting staring into space until they come in. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I expected him like to pop up at Aaron's, for example, but then I didn't expect him to pop up at Roy's mm. towards the end. No, and and I love the, the the reaction from Stuart there when he's like, "I'm Roy Lynch." Yeah, <laughs> Teddy's just like, "I know, <laughs> yeah. I'm not scared of you at all." Yeah, it's the, the way it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's quite a nice, yeah, uh, but it's quite a nice little interaction that when towards the end, yeah. Roy says, uh, "Are you from Leith?" He says, "I am." He says, "Well, that's something." <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to to find out what happens there mm. if uh, if if he did Roy in or if uh, Roy ends up recruiting him for yeah. something. We'll we'll, uh, we'll maybe find out yeah. in the future. Uh, of course, the other main cast member is Sarah Vickers mm. um, as Erin, who effectively takes up the the female mantle and and replaces Ruth Bradley mm-hmm. um, as Angie from the the first series. Uh, I, I thought she was great Brilliant, as well. Yeah. You know, a really perfect um i really liked her and max's relationship she has again some some great lines and and she really stands up to her mum and dad and i think her they do her backstory very well in terms of you realize that her dad uh, husband um is a well as you said recovering but he's not recovering yeah. as a, a cocaine addict yeah and she ha- she has a struggle in terms of she's he's ran up debts in her name and stuff and she's just trying to get out of this but yeah her relationship with max is great but she's a a wonderful actress and and really fits into this series almost just seamlessly yeah it's like she'd always you know you would think she'd always been in it if you know what i mean she's got quite a long imdb i mean she was i think our, our first credit here is the book group um where she plays a babysitter it must mm. i think it must be the second series um of the book group yeah i've not watched that yet um and then i think probably most recently it's stuff like shetland uh, she was in the the tv miniseries of watchmen that hbo did she's got five episodes mm. on there and then obviously this uh, guilt um that she's uh this series of guilt but she's and she you know she's i mean she is beautiful as well she's yeah. very very oh, yeah. very attractive woman um and a fantastic actor mm. and, and and i like the character of erin because she's she's kind of unpredictable as well you know mm. 
Like the thing, like, you know, it's, I guess Kenny is, and not to do the character a disservice, but he's quite a predictable character in the sense that you always know that Kenny is going to try and do the right thing, you know? Yeah. Max, you're never sure, <laughs> right? And, you know, you're never quite sure yeah, until yeah. Un- until he's done it. And I would say that's the same with Aaron too, you know, like it's, you're never sure, you know, it's, it's not really until the last episode, you're never quite sure, is she going to, is it going to turn out that the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree? And she's going to fuck backs yeah. up, or is she genuinely a good person that's made a mistake with the with the shooting at the mm-hmm. beginning, um, and and rather than just sort of phone the police, she's phoned her dad. Yeah, and she and Sarah Vickers kind of plays that un, that unpredictability so well. You're right. Up until uh, now, I think about it, the last episode, you're you're not sure mm. who she's going to fuck over because she's you see her playing both sides, and it's it's not obvious in like a pantomime way of oh I'm I'm doing mm-hmm. this, I'm going to you know screw over here. Let's make it obvious. You genuinely don't know. She's she's playing to her mum and dad, and I think it's when you see maybe Max on the phone to her, like saying okay i've got to come around and confess to you yeah let's play it simple but then even after that you're thinking is she is she gonna do him over but yeah yes it turns right she yeah she's she's all in she is and the, and the, i think one of the most powerful scenes in the series is the scene between the last scene that she has with uh stuart bowman as roy when, when he really kind of pours his heart out to her about how he feels mm about her as his daughter and by this point he's found out that she might not be his daughter you know it's not, it, it, yeah. it's, so, it's sort of unspoken between him and phyllis it's hard to tell whether he understands that erin's not his daughter or whether or, uh, or he doesn't you know there's ambiguity i i think he does the, yeah. the fact he goes to to maggie and effectively yeah. breaks up with her says like no we're, we're gonna go alone um i think that yeah speaks that he knows that Aaron isn't his daughter. I wasn't sure if that was because he knew about the affair or because he knew or or if it was just the affair he knew about or about the whole thing. But mm. for whatever whatever the reason, but they, they that that last scene um, between the two characters when he really pours his heart out to her, and how much he loves her, and how proud he is of her, and, and all these other things, and like her reaction, and you think she's going to accept him, you know, she's or maybe she, you know, she kind of finally understands him because she knows that now that it was her mother that um that committed the murder that she saw the sort of aftermath of when she was a young woman she knows it's her mother that's been pulling some of these strings in the background etc and you think you know they, she does look like she's gonna she's gonna sort of go to him and and reconcile with him and then she just you know her whole sort of expression kind of changes in a second she's like bye dad and she just leaves she just yeah. sort of leaves them there with yeah. everything hanging out you know why does Roy Lynch love westerns so much? I mean, he does explain it, but <laughs> I've never been a big fan of westerns. No, me neither. My father was a big fan of like the classics, sort of John Wayne and, and the Clint Eastwood ones and stuff. I mean, there's one or two that I like, but I'm not a big. I'm not. I'm, I'm with you. I'm not a big western fan. The kind of scene you've just described, and I think that's what kind of makes Neil Forsyth's writing in this so perfect in the way it's done. That you can have quite a heavy scene. Um, one I'm thinking of, for example, is that we in the the last episode we find out that that Roy was abused as a young boy and Maggie killed Albert and um, it's quite a heavy scene Mm -hmm. and then it cuts to Leith Legals and you have the guy that's in for his divorce papers given the karate chop pun yeah um 
because it, <laughs> three times you see this guy. So he comes in looking for a cookie divorce. The first time he is, uh, he says, I'm wanting to deliver the papers at Nathaniel's swimming lesson. Mm. I'm trying to work on a pun, something about <laughs> off the deep end. <laughs> and then then the, next, the last time we see him, he's there. It's Nathaniel's karate lesson. So I, I just want to say something like, you're for the chop. <laughs> And then I'm going to shake the sensei's hand and walk out. <laughs> but, but you know, just, he's he's just a brilliant comic character. Yeah. But it's it doesn't it's not out of place at all no. in this show. You just you perfectly believe it. I mean, it's, I would say I would go as far to say it's not out of place in Scotland. I mean, you meet these sort of <laughs> these sort of kind of gentle eccentric types of people every day. You know, that just they have these that kind of funny kind of foibles that. Uh, Clearly, clearly, Neil Forsyth has met a few in his time. You know, (laughs) I have to say, like, so over the last week, I've watched Halloween Kills. I've watched Stranger Things, like the new, in fact, these last episodes that came out. My daughter and I watched them, and I watched Guilt season two. And of the three, the only one that had a satisfying ending was Guilt. (laughs) If I'm honest, (laughs) I thought I thought the ending of Halloween Kills was absolute fucking dog shit because the, the whole th- but then that's it's set up for the next one halloween ends i get that but the whole thing the whole thing i always liked about halloween was that like michael myers is he's not like jason Voorhees and like he gets resurrected every film you know he's a normal guy who manages to escape or whatever and i, I and I, yeah. I liked how they worked that in the beginning of um Halloween kills that he managed to escape the fire at the end of the first one. Sorry, spoilers if you've not seen it. But in this one, at the end of this one, again, spoilers, he gets absolutely fucking malkied. Everybody, the, the whole town has like stabbed him, shot yeah. him, burnt him. And then you got Jamie Lee Curtis coming up with this mince about how he's this supernatural thing that gets stronger with every fucking murder that he does i was just like oh fuck off come on you know yeah stranger things again that's setting up for the fifth season but so i thought that was supposed to be the last season i thought this was the final final one no 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 no, ah, no. Right. two years time all right two years time is the final season right fair enough then that's okay well maybe maybe i've been a bit hard on stranger things then um because uh if i thought it, i thought that was supposed to be the last last ever no 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 right. no it's another series um, which will be the last one. Okay. And then similarly, they announced in May this year that there will be a series three of Guilt. I saw that, Which yes. will be the last series. And Neil Forsyth said that he had always envisioned, envisioned yeah. this as a trilogy. Yep. Now, with a lot of writers, you would read something like that, you'd be like, I write. Yeah. Because I think I think they were quite taken by surprise at how well yeah. series one was received. Yeah. And and rightly so. I mean, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Series two is incredible as well. Um, but I, I genuinely believe that Neil Forsyth did envisage this as a trilogy. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen. I, I, all they've said is that Jake and Max are going to be back in Scotland. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I'm wondering if maybe Roy has struck a deal with Teddy and Teddy's now kind of his enforcer. Maybe. Or, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's left open kind of, as you say, when Roy says to him, are you from Leith? Well, that's something. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if something's been kind of struck there and that's going to Maybe. Be uh, part of the third series. But I'm looking forward to that. But yes, a very satisfying ending. Now, obviously, I I could spot it a mile away. That's Glasgow. That's not Chicago. <laughs> the, um, yeah. the, when he walks into the bar. Um, maybe, I don't know, it, it, maybe to the unobserved eye, but I could spot it a mile away. Well, well that's not Chicago. Well, <laughs> Glasgow has been, we've spoken about it a couple of times, but it has been doubling yeah. for a lot of American cities over the last... 
kind of ye- couple of years with Indiana Jones, a new one filming there, Batgirl. Yeah. So it's been doubling as Gotham City. So yeah, I, I, instantly recognisable mm-hmm. as um, Glasgow. But yeah, so it does end satisfying. And it's quite nice. You, you kind of, you know, when Max is on the phone to Erin. Yeah. How did she not recognise? Because surely it would have been international dialect tone. <laughs> Bit of a delay. She phoned him. Yeah. Or so, yeah. Call her ID. to realise. Yeah. She's just like, you're not here. No, I'm in Chicago. Yes. Uh, just, that, yeah. just that poetic licence. Uh, and it, I guess yeah. it allowed the director to do that fucking great reveal, you know, because yeah. he's sort of shooting Max from below with just the sky behind them, you know. But then you say that and there's there's little touches, same poetic licence, but there was a, there's a point that I noticed and I, 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 I loved it. And it's something that I wonder if it was left in on purpose. And it's in episode four. Kenny goes to the AA meeting and I, you can see he's having a crisis of conscience about what he's doing to Max and, mm-hmm. and stuff. And he, he leaves the meeting and he comes out and he takes his phone out of his pocket and he looks at it and it, it's the upside down. Mm-hmm. And he's about to push it and he swivels it and then starts correcting. And you're like, right. I think a lot of films and stuff or TV shows, the director would be like, cut, can we do that again? Mm-hmm. Your phone was the wrong way around. Yeah. But it's just so, it, it's a perfectly natural thing to happen. Yeah. And it does happen. And it, I don't know, it leapt out at me for some reason of like, that's so great. They kept that in. It, it makes it so much more realistic and believable. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Or another way to look at it, because I tend to think that, especially with something like guilt, is that everything's for a reason. You know what I mean? You know, I just yeah, kind of, yeah. you know, I just sort of get that feeling that, you know, everything, yeah. the, the the reason that Kenny dresses in the clothes that he dresses in symbolizes something, whereas with Max, he only tends to wear black and white, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and all that and all, all that sort of stuff. I just I wonder. I don't know. They just it just because it feels like such a clever a cleverly realized and created program. I just I just sort of think, you know, everything's done as a kind of metaphor for something that's coming later or you know, a s- symbolic of something else and stuff, you know. Okay, so you think that the the thing that I thought was great that they kept <laughs> it in because it was a bit of a goof was actually done on purpose. Just, I quite like that, yeah. I'm just offering an, an alternative perspective, that's all. <laughs> Again, I mean, uh, I'm looking back at my notes and there's just so many lines of Max being just a brilliant character and mm. absolute cunt. When he's, he's sitting with Aaron and when, when they go for the drink in the hotel bar and they're having a, a bit of a heart-to-heart and a chat and he says, you know, well, well, you've got to trust someone in life. Mm-hmm. And she says, well, do you? And he says, well, that's what people say. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's such an absolute dirtbag. Yeah. That he, you know, that's when you realize he, he doesn't really have a, a moral compass or kind of, a, you know, yeah. it's just the, the way he delivers it is so good. But then, of course, as we said at the end, we'll find out he does. Mm. You know, he, he kind of saves the world yeah. um, at, at the end of the, uh, the episode. It does. And everything works out well for everyone, hopefully. It does indeed. So that feels like a natural sort of move into our Swally Awards. Shall we put guilt through the coveted Swally Awards? Okay, let's do it then, Greg. What is first on the Swally Awards this week? Okay, so the first award is the Bobby the Barman's Award for Best Pub in the show. So I think there's three to choose from. There's obviously the Balmoral. There's the yeah. there's the bougie place where Erin and Max go for a glass of wine. And then there's uh-huh. there's Jake's Pub at the end um, in, in, in Chicago. There's also the Outhouse, which you see Kenny in. Um, yes, it, it, that's that's the pub that um, the Joe sees the gay guys putting the um, bag of money. Yeah, of course. Yeah, in the back of the boot, and then you see Kenny in there having a lemonade. Um, there's also the pub that Albert and Maggie are in at the start of episode three. 
Um, That's right, yeah. And, uh, of course, you have the casino as well. Yeah, okay. So what was your favourite of all those places? At, um, Jake's Bar, I think. Looks quite Yeah, cool. I thought that. And it's in Chicago. It's in Chicago. Well, it's in Glasgow. <laughs> I mean, we picked the Balmoral for the first... Uh, yeah. In fact, we, did, we didn't have the awards for the first no, um, we didn't. series, but we, we, didn't. we did no. point out that the Balmoral was a great pub and the kind of pub we'd like to drink in, but I think I'd rather go for a pint in Jake's Bar. Looks good. Looks good, right. Yep. And it's always nice to be in a foreign country and meet a fellow traveller, especially if they are exactly. running the bar. They might be good for a couple of, yeah. a couple of free drums um of course okay well the next well, the next award then is the ewan mcgregor award for gratuitous nudity there's only really one scene and it's not that gratuitous but i guess it's uh the love scene with avon and well it's a wee bit gratuitous the love scene with avon and kenny <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a little bit yeah it's it yeah it's not gratuitous as such but it is uh, yeah, it's there. It's not. Um, it, yeah, that that wins. It's not. It's not. It's not. This, it's not the sort of you McGregor kind of swinging dick, <laughs> gratuitous. Well, you know, <laughs> I I was thinking about this uh, yesterday. I was out for my run and I was thinking about the the podcast yeah. and and uh, running through my head the awards and. I thought about this. I was like, well, that's obviously the nudity award. And I was like, well, we're just going to obviously kind of brush over. Like, well, it was when Yvonne and Kenny are having sex and you see Yvonne's boobs. That's, yeah, that's yeah. it. And I'm like, now, why is it? Is it because we're gentlemen or because <laughs> we're worried about getting cancelled? That when it's a female that wins this award, we just kind of brush over. Oh, well, yeah, it was, it was when she showed her boobs. But if it's a male, we are like, yeah, it's when he got his wanger out and we're talking about this and going into detail. It's because we're afraid of getting cancelled, I guess, and because we're gentlemen. Yeah. Just wanted to clear that up. Yeah, that's definitely the reason. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the the next award then is the the James Cosmo Award for being in everything Scottish. Mm. So for this one, I picked Stuart Bowman because Mm. looking at his IMDb, I need to do a bit more research into this, but he might have the most cameo appearances on Taggart. Than anybody else. He's got something like six. He's got something like six, six credits in Taggart, and it's like a different character every time. That's brilliant. That, <laughs> that's got to be up there. Yeah. They did have someone on before, didn't they? That had a quite a few. Um, yeah, that's that's great. Uh, yeah, he was my choice as well. Looking at IMDb, mm. I, I think there's a few. You no, know, Mark Bonner has been in quite a lot um, of, of Scottish things in terms of Shetland and mm-hmm. um, I, I, the rig. I don't know when that's coming out. I can't wait to watch that. And we're going to have to cover that on the Swally like, as yeah. it comes out. Um, but yeah, he's been in quite a few things in the past. But yeah, it, it has to be yeah Stuart Bowman for, for me as well. I think he he wins the award for just being in, in the most things um, Scottish. Greg McHugh kind of as well yeah, pushing on. Been a few. Yeah. and of course um, we haven't watched the I know we watched Gary's War but um, Gary Tank Commander the, mm-hmm. the series yeah Stuart Bowman plays kind of the, the Sa- main the sergeant sergeant yeah, yeah that that's Gary and his mates kind of have to answer to and he's fantastic in it yeah. as well so might have to do a series of, of Gary Tank Commander um, on the Swally later on. I think th- the only thing about Stuart Bowman and Gilt that I found a wee bit jarring, like when I got over the fact that he was playing Roy Lynch, um, the Edinburgh accent and the way the voice goes up a wee bit, you know, and that sort of thing. I, I don't know if he maybe leans into it a bit much. Maybe not. I don't know, but he's like the only character yeah, in it maybe. that's got quite a that's got quite a broad. It's 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 almost a kind of fife accent, you know. Yeah, I see what you mean there. Actually, mm. do you think um, just to go on a side, but do you think Bill Patterson could have pulled off the the role that it, Stuart Bowman pulled off in this series? 
I mean, he brings a different dynamic to it for sure. Um, I don't know. There was there was something a bit more menacing about the way Bill Patterson played the character. I think because yeah, you didn't. I agree, and I think that it's, maybe, it's partly down to his performance, but I think it's also partly down to you don't see the kind of private life of Roy Lynch. You know what I mean? Like you exactly. do, like you do in this yeah. second series. So yeah, um, I completely agree. Um, I thought that too. I thought Bill Patterson was maybe a little bit more menacing, yeah. but I completely agree. It's because you don't see as much of him. Yeah. Whereas this series felt a lot more Roy Lynch heavy. Um, yeah. But it, yeah, it, it's purely because you don't see his private life. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I thought, yeah, I thought Bowman was great in terms of his his role, but yeah, I missed Patterson. Anything with Patterson's good in it. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so the next award is the Jake McQuillan Yurtizu Award. Um, I struggled with this one. Not a very violent uh, series at all. I can't think, you know, there's a bit when Max gets kind of arrested and I think it's the third series when they pick him up on the street when he's walking back from errands. And that's, mm. you know, it, but he's, no one assaults him. He just kind of gets pulled into the van, you know? It's um, it's Erin smacking Joe with a golf club in oh, the yeah. start of the first episode. Yeah, right Because she leathers him with that golf club <laughs> she, and then shoots him. Yeah. But um, yeah, she smacks him with that golf club. That's a tease out. The, the gunshot is accidental. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, that can be counted as a, a tease out. But she, she means to fucking leather him with that club, golf club. Yeah, I mean, she, so, yeah, she that's could, what I put. She could have just stayed in her hiding place because it was obvious. It was just there for the money, right? So she could have just let him take the money and, and walk out and... And that would have been it. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, true. But uh, I don't know. I think if somebody hit me, if somebody like, hit me over the head with a golf club like that, I don't think I'd be getting back up again. <laughs> like, not for a long time. Yeah, don't know. I think I'd, yeah. I think I'd just be admitting defeat and uh, try to leave with as much dignity as I could muster. Um, <laughs> okay, the, the next one then, the Franks, Francis Begbie Award for Gratuitous swear gratuitous swearing was it my imagination or was a bit more swearing in this series than the first one funnily enough when i listened to our review of the first series we did say there's not a lot of swearing yeah. but it's it's kind of perfectly peppered but there was quite a lot of swearing yes yeah. yeah i agree yeah what did you go for then my favorite and it's maybe a bit undeserving because it, it sort of cuts but just because it made me laugh was when kenny is presenting dinner and he's like and he, t- he t- <laughs> takes a little off the pot he's like oh for fuck and then it it, it, it cuts quite the scene I, just, I like that <laughs> I did like that yeah. um, I think uh, I, I've got two my two favourites one is for best use of swearing but one is just the delivery of the swearing is mm. uh, so the first one is at the beginning of episode two where you have a flashback with Aaron and Adrian of that night and Adrian says something about I need to grow and Erin says, you're a cocaine addict, Adrian, not a fucking tree. Yes. <laughs> and I, I, I really like that. Yeah. But best use of swearing and, and best swearing is, I think it's in episode three, where we have our guy getting the divorce in Leith Legals. And he's telling Kenny about the, the swimming lesson, how he's about to say off the deep end. And Max comes walking in and it's just Mark Bonner. He just looks away and he goes like, oh, fucking perfect yeah. and looks back and it's it's just the delivery of <laughs> yeah. that it's, it's just the delivery is so good it's just this nathaniel swimming lesson the night yeah max isn't in but uh, uh i can't find the papers i shouldn't think they'd be ready yet. i thought if i served them on her there he wouldn't be serving them then i could uh say something about her being in the deep end like a pun sort of thing right i'm still working about it uh 
Oh, fucking perfect. I'm just saying to your man here that it's Nathaniel's swimming lesson tonight, you see, and I've got this whole pun thing that I'm playing with. Give us a couple of days, OK? Aye, all right, pal. We'll get there, eh? That's a good one. Um, and then, next then, is the archetypal Scottish moment. So, I was thinking to myself, when I could go quite highbrow and intellectual and say the architectural, the archetypal Scottish moment is the gentrification of former industrial areas in <laughs> Scotland's biggest cities. Um, but that would <laughs> that that make me sound like a wanker. Um, so... <laughs> I just went. I, I I went for like the views of Edinburgh Castle when you know Max is walking down Princess okay. Street. You know, I I I, struck, I couldn't find something that I couldn't think of something that was more sort of shortbready. You know, <laughs> what would you go for? Uh, my two came funnily enough in one of the first scenes and one of the last scenes. Okay, and because I often look for stuff, so instantly at the beginning of the the first episode, they're having the dinner party and there's a glass bottle of Iron Brew. Oh yeah, and I was like, I was like, okay. I'll write that down archetypal Scottish yeah, moment yeah. and then I was struggling the whole time up until the last scene and it's a Scottish bar in an American city yeah. or you know yeah, and Jake's bar it's very much salt tires outside yeah. and it you know leads yeah. walk it, it's kind of a you would expect it more to be an Irish bar yeah yeah. It, hey it's a Scottish bar so it kind of works but that was my kind of yeah archetypal Scottish thing a Scottish bar mm-hmm. in a city yeah yeah I think yeah. he had the the iron rampant red on yellow flag yeah. and all that, didn't he? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, and he had a I think behind a bar there was like a Leith Walk uh, street sign. Yeah, as well. that's right. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, and then the last award then the Sean Connery Award. Who do you who do you who would you say won the won the show? Um, same as series one for me, it's Mark Bonner. Like he's just for me, he's yeah. incredible. As Max is is acting and I, I, honestly, any melee as Kenny is is yeah. amazing. But for me, Mark Bonner wins it. He's just, his delivery, his facial expressions. Yeah, I, I, nothing more I, I can say. No, I, I agree. I have Mark Bonner as well. But I do feel that uh, Eamon Elliott is, was a strong contender. You know, uh, I think he's, yeah. I mean, he's fantastic in the last series, but he's particularly, particularly good in this series, I thought. so. We had exactly the same conversation when we did series one. <laughs> We said that he deserved it, but we had to give yeah, it to Mark Bonner. Yeah. But it was so close, and it's the same with series two. But yeah, as Kenny, he's just yeah. he's brilliant. It's a shame uh, he doesn't win. That's why they award him. Sure, <laughs> well, yeah. but uh, yeah, have to give it to Mark. All right. So that was guilt series two of guilt. Uh, it was my choice. The uh, needle swings back in your direction uh, for this week, or the bottle spins back in your direction. What, what are we reviewing next time on the Culture Swally? Right, Greg. Well, it's a Sunday where they're recording this, so it feels like it's the right time to have a okay. confession. And not, not that you need to confess on a Sunday, you can confess any day, but Sunday feels like the holiest day of them all. So I, I'm sure you do the same as I do. When we look at, for things to do on the Swally, we look at like top 10 Scottish yeah. films, or, you know, the best Scottish films ever. And it's usually all the same things. It's always you know train spotting shallow grave local hero braveheart mm-hmm. usual stuff um there's a film that's usually consistently on these lists and i have to confess i've never seen okay. it and i don't think i don't think i've seen it I've, I've got a funny feeling when i start watching it there's a 50 50 chance i might be like oh, i have seen this <laughs> but i i don't think i have and i i not willingly have so on the next time in the Swally, i would like to look at 1985's restless natives oh, i've never seen that either no oh, you really 
Oh, great. Oh, well, we'd love it when we've, uh, we're reviewing something that yeah. neither of us has seen. So, yeah, great. Okay. All right, cool. Nice one. Yeah, I'll look forward to watching that. Never seen it before. So, oh, well, I'm, I'm great. I'm, I'm amazed you've never seen it either. Anyway. Uh, well, thank you very much for listening, everyone. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. And if you would like to follow us on Instagram, you can at culture swally pod or you can follow us on twitter at swally pod or if you have anything you've seen you'd like us to review or you'd like us to look at in the news then you can send us an email on culture swally at gmail.com and wherever you get your podcast please feel free to rate review subscribe on itunes or wherever and just Tell your friends about us. And Greg, we have a website we, now. We do again. have a website again. Um, so if you want to zip over to cultureswally.com, uh, there's links to our whole catalogue of, of, at the time of speaking, 51 episodes. Um, by the time this goes out, it'll be 52. Um, there's uh, features on the, there's a feature on the Crankies that was supposed to be a blog post, but I fucked up the webpage design. <laughs> Can we bother to fix it? And lots of other little quirky, interesting bits and bobs. Uh, you can also link to us, our social media accounts from the page and you can contact us directly from the page too so please come over and have a look okay wonderful all right great thank you very much greg okay until next time until next time just need a piece of what i had of who i was just a piece and i can get myself back from there no matter who you are max you come out of there and you find that your old life has run for the hills. Except that it hasn't run very far though, has it? I mean, this was my business and you owe me for this, for everything. <laughs> Even if that were true, I can't engage with you. Not now that I'm legit. Not now that you're dirtier than ever.